0: Hey, everybody, this is Brian back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I've got with me Nikki Allen. Um, I, I just finished reading Nikki's book, um, which is fascinating. As so we're going to talk about today. Her book, which is her her memoir, I guess you'd call it, The Story of, of, of Your Life. Um, so I, I found it, like I said, to be fascinating. I'm going to read a little bit of introduction. I don't like to do long introductions. So that's what we're here to do the interview for. But I'm, I'll read a little bit to let you know who Nikki is. Uh, Nickley is is a born psychic medium coming from many generations of psychics before her. She officially started her psychic work 28 years ago. Uh, But for 18 years, she was also a major uh, investigative bereavement-trained detective in Essex Essex Police. Following medical retirement in 2003 and by public demand, she achieved a very high profile in the spiritual industry as a full-time international TV psychic medium, spiritual teacher, angel communicator, and writer. And her book is Me, Myself, and I, or and Me, Myself, and I, and I'll explain what that is about. Uh, Diary of a Psychic, and that's due to be released on the 27th of November of this year. We're recording this on the 17th of November. So with that, I want to welcome Nikki Allen.
2: Hello, my gorgeous man. I have to say, you're exceptionally handsome. Oh, I had to say that. I just had to get it out there.
0: Right, Very handsome well,
1: man.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I love your energy. I, I I just love your energy, and it's fun after having read your book and, and knowing what you've been through. It's just it's amazing yes. the feeling that that come from you. Um, so I'd like to um, I'll let you start wherever you want to start as far as telling your story um, in the book. I know you you talked about the fact that you were you've been psychic since since birth. I guess.
2: Yes. Yes. My first encounter, though, where I knew something was really different, you know, I kind of had dreams and visions and I proph- prophesized things and I thought everybody could do that. The biggest thing was that my dad drove past me when I was nine years old in his car, put his thumbs up and said, I'm okay, Nick. He's like, I'm okay. The weird thing about that was, though, is that he died in a road accident two days before. Yeah. So he had fully manifested himself in his car and pulled up to me while I was walking with my auntie and our dog. So you can imagine, as a nine-year-old, I am completely shocked because everybody's told me that Daddy's gone to heaven. So I go running back home. Everybody's obviously mourning, and I've gone, how dare you lie, I've just seen Daddy, I've just seen Daddy. And so my granddad, and this is the strongest side, they've both got um, spiritual understanding, but my paternal side is all the biggie medium psychics and healers. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, look, you you know, you're special, you're different. You're going to start seeing things like this now. Um, And obviously the first one is your dad's. And it kind of um, proceeded through. As you'll see in the book, when I was in my teenage years, I went through a horrendous amount of physical or mental abuse. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of bubbled away in the background. But I, I realised when I actually connected with the seraphim, the oldest order of the angels, that they were singing to me and calming me after I had been abused. So when I was walking in the corner, I'd hear this. And it sounded like, do you know if you've got like a radio going on next door or something? It was like that. Mm, mm -hmm. And it was the most beautiful chorus. And it never occurred to me that they were angels. I was in so much trauma. Um, and then I later found out when I was doing um, a workshop, I took all these students up, you know, to the spirit world and to heaven, whatever you want to call it, the Crystal Palace. And then they said, oh, welcome back. And I'm like, do I know you? you oh, wow. <laughs> a being rude to an angel. Yeah. And they went, we sang to you during your bad times. And it just, I came back, supposed to be this professional tutor, crying my eyes out.
0: Wow. <laughs> I was wow.
2: just so overwhelmed. It was amazing. Um, And so I knew then that I had this affiliation to the angel realms as well. And I kind of, you know, stuck with more the spirit world communication. And obviously I used it a lot as a detective, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was in the police, it was fantastic. Um, But the the worst thing was one of my major roles was as a family liaison officer for murder victim families. Mm -hmm. So I'd facilitate information from our office to, you know, the victim's family. And the problem with that was, is half the time I would see the murder victim in the room with the family. Mm. So I'm trying to keep this professional, you know. Gate of, don't worry, I'm all in control. But all I can do is see like the man or the woman going, tell them I'm okay, tell them I'm okay. Wow, it was yeah. really, really difficult. I used to see. Um, What people actually did during an interview, and this is supposed to be for call, but I'm seeing that they are guilty because I've just seen them kill the person. And they're saying, no comment, no comment. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I know you've done it. So what we used to do was we used to pretend anonymous information came in, um, but really it was my hunch and people started to learn and know, you know, that I could do it. We had um, a baby get stolen from a hospital. is a huge story here in the UK, Mm -hmm. and it it was it set a precedence for security in hospitals after this because this woman just literally walked in and had this baby, and one of the um, NCI people came to me, and um, he said, "Look, or NSI, whatever they're called now." Yeah, what is it? No CSI. That's the one.
0: Okay, okay. Mm (laughs)
2: And he had the blanket that the baby was in. And so I said, the baby will be back by 6 a.m. I drew the view from where the baby was and exactly what colour the baby was wearing. It was unusual because she was in red and um, blue at the time. Hmm. And I said, and the lady is recorded here as having mental health issues in this hospital. And every, basically everything I said was completely right. And so what happened was it ended up transpiring that I would do readings and corporate parties and psychic parties in the evening and then investigate my major crime during the day. Yeah. So a bit weird. It was a bit like Batman. I did my day job and then I got my psychic cape on. (laughs) So
0: did the people on the force know that you were psychic or were you undercover at the time?
2: No, I was undercover for the first couple of years. I just couldn't help myself, you know. The thing is with me is, is as you'll see in the book, in, in me, myself and I, I've got a very loud presence, and and now it's naturally through happiness and abundance, whereas then it was a different kettle of fish. It was through, you know, this armour that I had obviously adopted um, because I felt so vulnerable. And so I couldn't keep quiet. So, you know, we had this missing lady who had gone missing, and there was real, you know, grave concerns for her. I kept seeing the hairdressers. And in the end, I said the hairdresser knows where she is. Go to the hairdresser. Go to the hair salon. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, what are you talking about?" I said, "Just do it." And that kind. Of, and then it turned out the hairdresser knew where she was, and she was in hiding because she was in a relationship she shouldn't be in. And so I kept saying, "I oh, don't you know what you're talking about here." And then word got out, and then people said, "Oh, can I have a reading?" So eventually, by the time I was my really a detective, everybody knew I could do what I did. Some obviously took, you know, you know, took the Mickey as in they just used to joke about it. But others took it seriously. Mm-hmm. And I did get quite a good few results during those days. During those days, it was quite interesting.
0: <laughs> I believe the British police, they actually used—they use psychics in their work sometimes, right?
2: Well, do you know what? I think it's more um, accessible in the U.S., to be honest with you. Because, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I do. Because being on both sides of it, you know, being a detective, they used to send me, they said to all the kooks, So, if there was anybody that had called in and said, I've seen the vision, they go, you go to that one, Nikki. I'm like, right, okay. Um, And so, really, to be honest with you, from my experience, you know, they really didn't take a lot on board. I don't know if if you remember this, but we had a serial killer that was killing prostitutes here um, back in, I think it was the late 90s, something like that. No, early 2000. And um, I knew where the next person was going to get killed. I knew where the person lived, um, his work, and all the rest of it. And luckily, one of the main investigators on it was a friend of mine. And I phoned her up and said, Look, you need to listen to me. You know, he's going to hit again and it's going to be here and blah, blah, blah. She went, Okay. And that was it. Nobody really got back to me. And it's Mm. such a shame because genuine bona fide mediums and bearing in mind obviously because I've come from that background lots of murder victims come to me and so I'm like god, why don't you listen to me and then I write it all down the first victim of the serial you know the serial killings had come to me six weeks before it even hit the news and I was in a circle you know training students I said oh my god someone's been murdered they're in this hmm. stream and the name's Natalie and da 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 but nobody knew about it, and I thought, well, oh, I've got that one wrong." But she had been murdered on the day, but didn't oh. get found till six weeks later. No. So when someone on oh, Nicole, sorry, her name was Nicole, no. and, as, and as soon as um, someone stopped on the TV, they said, Nikki, turn on the TV, turn on the TV, it's her." And I'm like, "Wow!" So I was connected to that the whole way through, and I kept sending reports in and trying to get people's attention but unfortunately you know we're not recognised as an expert witness we're not recognised in the court of law so there's nothing we can do really unless some you know decent detectives think i'm going to try that inquiry to see if we can get anywhere yeah. You know, so I wish they did use this a lot more. I really don't. I even had the fire brigade service come and um, test me on a few things on how people had died in fires. And, again, they were right because they were proven cases. Mm-hmm. And they were going to push to try and get psychics in to investigate, you know, suspicious fires where they couldn't get the suspect. Um, but, again, nobody wanted to know about it. And they don't. And the, and the problem is, darling, is that this is no disrespect, but there's some amazing psychics and mediums out there that could bring so much help to the emergency services. Yeah. But then there's the other side, the jokers, the ones that are really not very good. And the problem is we get tired with the brush. Of yes. the dodgy
0: ones. Yeah. It's hard That's to the sort problem. them out. Yeah.
2: You know, and everybody, you know, I remember when um, some of my old colleagues from the police, they came and watched my first theater show. And they thought I was going to be this, whoa, wearing a web dress and that big black makeup. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not changing my persona at all. I'm yeah. not changing anything about myself. And I think that's why I did so well, because I was so grounded. Right. You know, I am what I am. I do what I do. But I don't add any, you know, spookiness to it or unnecessary magic. It right. is the most natural thing in the world. And the more that I can reach people to understand that they can all do that because we're all spirit encased in a physical body, mm-hmm. the happier I am. And so, but to have me, myself, and I go out, it's just incredible. I never, ever plan to be an author. Ever, I thought there's no way, you know, at the end of the day, I had my road accident in 2012. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's it, I'm out of it. And the thing is, is that I don't blame them, but people are fickle, you know, all of my magazine work dried up, TV work dried up, everything just disappeared, because I physically couldn't get out of bed. Yeah, I couldn't get my head off the pillow. I just wanted to die every day, and I've never ever thought that I would dream of suicide every day for years. Yeah, well, let's, you know? let's,
0: let's let's go through the arc of, of that because I want people to kind of get a feel for for what you went through. I mean, you you and I'm reading your book, and I'm like, please, enough for this poor woman, because I was, just, <laughs> I, I'm like, this has got to stop at some point. I mean, you started off you were you were abused as a child. You went through that. You you yeah. went to the police force. You had a, you had a, a great career at the police force, but there was an injury, and you had yeah. to retire from the police force. So your your yeah. life you rebuild your life again. You become a TV psychic. You've got the show and everything, and you're doing great with that. So that brings yeah. us up to the point where we have the the me, which is the me, and I I'm, I haven't heard that term before. So that stands for.
2: Yes, this is the thing, it stands for myalgic encephalomyelitis, but in the US, you know it as chronic fatigue syndrome CFS, okay. right? So uh, that's one of the faux pas. The thing is, it's a fab title, Brian. Let's um, face yeah. it, bring yeah. for like, But obviously, lots of people in the States who like email me and write me say, what's ME? And I'm like, wow, I didn't think that you knew it over there. But it is chronic fatigue syndrome. So what happened was, I was, I don't know if you know about the the late Colin Fry. I was Mm -hmm. under his management. And I literally, what you want to aspire to as a psychic medium, not out of fame and glory. I just wanted to be the highest profile medium I could to share my knowledge and bring as much comfort and love to the masses. That was my main aim. And I was doing it, you know, in front of 5,000 people in theatres and the TV, I was loving it. And, um, I was just about to set up a state, I couldn't believe this. I was just about to set up a tour in the States and Australia and the world was at my feet. It really was. Um, but I wasn't right inside, and I never realised that at the time. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is I'm going down to Devon, which is I don't know if you know, it's like on the southwest coast of England, beautiful place, very rural, and you know the coastline is absolutely phenomenal. And I fell in love with it when I was actually doing a show um, in a theatre a few years before. Mm-hmm. And so I was buying this um, mobile home, like a static home by the sea. So I had two homes. Um, and I was with this partner who really didn't laugh, but it didn't matter. We went down to Devon, pulled into a restaurant because he wanted something to eat. And this girl came skidding towards me and T-boned the car. Yeah. And the thing is, is that that side impact is exactly how my dad died. So I don't know if this kicked off any sort of trauma concerning that. Because um, his death kind of was a catalyst to all of my suffering or all of our family's suffering. Yes. Um, But I literally could see her skidding towards me. She'd only passed her driving test the day before. And And you knew this
0: was going to happen before it happened.
2: Oh, yeah, I know. In the morning, I said to him, um, and I referred
1: to him as Dick.
0: (laughs) Yes, that was a great name for him. (laughs) Because, wow.
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: To be fair. Um, and I, I said, oh, my God, I'm, something's going to hit me. There's going to be an impact. And he goes, well, where is it? I said, well, I don't know. He goes, well, when is it? And I said, I, I don't know. I just I could see myself getting this impact as soon as I woke up. You know, when you're like sweaty and breathless mm-hmm. from a dream, I was like, oh, my goodness. Didn't know when it was, though. So it had to happen. It's as simple as that. It had to happen. Yeah. Um, and so it happened that day at 7 p.m. that day. Uh, and I saw her skidding towards me. I couldn't get my seatbelt off. So she kind of impacted me with me crunched up against the center console. Mm-hmm. So everything was black, you know, this side of the um, car. And I couldn't get out. I just couldn't move. I thought I'd broken my jaw. The pain was excruciating. The paramedics had to get me out. I was in hospital overnight and. In the end, they did so many tests because they couldn't understand. I was literally screaming in agony Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, and they were pumping me with morphine. But they said, look, you've just got soft tissue damage. You've obviously got severe shock. And they released me and I went home, um, went straight to bed and I slept the whole day and the night. And then the following night I woke up and my eyes all I can describe is is that it felt like molten lava in my eyes I could almost hear my eye sockets move and I thought what the hell is this all about mm. and then when I looked towards the window it was like someone had just stabbed me with hot fire pokers and I thought this isn't right I was dizzy I felt nauseous I was shaking I could hardly feel my hands and as I tried to get up out of bed I just fell on the floor couldn't move couldn't walk Um, So my friend was there at the time. She carried me to uh, the toilet and um, helped me. She goes, seriously, what the hell? I said, I don't know what's wrong. Cut a long story short. I went back to um, A&E and they basically said, you know, the accident emergency, they said it's just shock, you know, just just wait a while. And then we roll on a year with multiple neuro tests and all the rest of it because I was still, I was in excruciating pain. Sometimes I couldn't talk. I couldn't understand what you were saying to me. I couldn't understand why I couldn't stay focused on anything. My memory lasted about 10 minutes before it left again. It was the most scariest time. And because I was in such a, such a badly, badly balanced relationship, I was a breadwinner, so I had to cancel things. And so that started affecting the money side of things. You know, and so I then forced myself, can't believe it. Honestly, I'm not joking you, Brian. When I read my book, I just, I keep rereading it because I don't recognise that girl anymore. Yeah. I keep thinking, what were you thinking? How much did you hate yourself that you would drag yourself in agonising pain full of painkillers and Red Bull and go and do a stage show sitting on a sofa yeah. Because I couldn't, I couldn't stand, and I'm like, "What were you thinking?" But obviously, that you know, the material pressure that we all have. I'm thinking, I'm going to lose my house, I'm going to lose my second home, and so yes, the material world does play a massive part in pressuring all of our decisions. Sure. But I've learned now, doesn't matter. I had it all, and I lost the lot. Lost the lot, and if I lost it, and now I'm in a home that I ordered. I'm by the beach I'm literally the beach is across the road and I have no debt. I'm completely debt free. And that was helped by an angel, Raguel, i would never heard of. Yeah. See, this is the thing. The angel thing was amazing because it wasn't, you know, some people may say, oh, you're preaching to the converted. You know, you're already spiritual. And so, you know, you just thought the angels helped you. Absolutely not. I hated and I, and I don't use the word hate anymore, but I hated the angel realms, the spirit world with a vengeance. I convinced myself that I had made it all up throughout the years and I just lucky guessed and cold red people. I just absolutely hated everything about them because as far as I was concerned, they had abandoned me. Had forsaken me and yeah. left me with nothing rotting in a bed for five years. I
0: think that's so important. It's interesting. I was there's a, a guy I interviewed a little while ago and he wrote a book about spiritual stuff. And one of the things he said is when we come into this world, we agree to be abandoned. I never heard yes. anybody put it that way before. I've heard forget, forgotten, or we forget, but not abandoned. And as I'm reading your book, and I'm thinking the same thing. Okay, this woman, she's connected. She's physically saw her father after he passed. She's a medium. She knows the stuff is there. But I'm the hell that you went through. You know, it's just like you had to feel like, what's going on? Oh,
2: totally. The air was blue, darling. I used to. Sh- Oh, shout and scream and rage at them. I completely lost my faith, the will to live. The only thing that stopped me from doing it, and believe me, I used to look at all that morphine and think it would take 10 minutes and I'm gone forever, I'm done. And the only thing that stopped me were my two little rescue dogs that I had. And they used to sit so patiently with me. And Teddy, one of my dogs, had learned to wake me up which is also, you know, in the book, he would learn to wake me up and get me up. And then I'd go back down and um, to sleep again. Then he'd wake me up again. He still does it now. Oh, if yeah. I have a bad day now, he'll like, come on, get up. You need to get up and move about. And then, and then he'll get in my bed and not let me back in. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. So I kept picturing, the only thing that kept me alive was I kept picturing me, and I know it sounds really morbid, but me being dead, And them sitting there crying, nobody finding me because I had no contact with anybody apart from the postman, Mm -hmm. you know, who would come Mm -hmm. every now and then. And so um, that's the only thing that stopped me from going over because, you know, eight months homeless as well. And and having this horrific condition, laying on people's sofas and being polite and all you want to do is just lay out, you know, it was just more. It just I couldn't believe and I still can't. I, I, I have got somebody that, that said, wow, this, this sounds like fiction. It and does. I, I wish it was, yeah. but it's not. It, yeah. Every single thing that happened in that book is as true as the day is long as I sit here. And it just, I could not believe it was just one hit after another. <clears throat> and people say, you know, that they, they get trauma over perhaps a divorce or a loss or losing their job or losing their care. Co- I had the lot. Yeah. It
0: was
2: just one stage of another of complete and absolute loss where I literally had two dustbin bags I managed to um, hide away some of my furniture in storage before that got taken Mm -hmm. Um, and to then see how angel visitation and the thing is again I used to re-look at that and think was I hallucinating was I making it up because the biggest thing that happened, and I'll say this to anybody that's going through any trauma or any loss, is you have to surrender. You yes. have to surrender. Yes. And accept your situation, accept the loss, and look at a way. Sorry, my voice gets a bit weak sometimes. Silly <clears throat> mm. CFS. See, I've got it <laughs> CFS, so you know what I'm talking about. And uh it's, it's accepting your situation and then finding baby steps to move yourself on from the biggest grief or the biggest darkness of your life and yeah. find ways, okay, I've got this, this is a situation, how do I move on? And my biggest problem was I was mourning my old life. So I was mourning the material aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't realise is that they'd stripped me bare to completely cleanse me inside and out. So I didn't realise how unhealthy I was. I didn't yeah. realize how much I didn't love myself.
0: Yeah, that that part is you know as I, I'm mourning your own life for you as I'm reading the book and I'm thinking about you know the loss of your of your first career, your police career, and then you, you rebuild yourself and you, you've got to feel like okay, I'm on top of the world, I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So I, I hear about people talk about things like manifestation and law of attraction, oh. and it's really easy to believe in that when things are going well. But what yes. is what are your thoughts about that when you're going through what you're going through?
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Hi hey there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. Dot grief, the number two growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it.
2: Well, this was the most amazing thing because throughout all of the processes of this visitations, and I knew they were real because the dogs would bark. They would literally go mad at the middle of the room. So I knew that it wasn't my imagination.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And one of the things they said to me is, well, this is after the surrender um, where I just went, I'm done. I'm surrender. If you want to show me magic, do it now, because I've just done. I can't. I'm not going to kill myself. So you better sort this out for me. And that's when it all started after mm-hmm. the surrender. And so I was not in frame of mind to think I deserved anything that I could manifest. And so the first train that they took me on was the train of getting rid of all of my past demons and traumas. That shaped me into the person who I was, and my behaviour, and my thought systems, my self belief systems, my self love. And one of the essences I learned was you have to believe that you deserve what you're going to get. Mm. If you don't have love for yourself, or you think, "Oh, I'd like that, but I don't really deserve it," you're not going to get it. You mm. know. Mm-hmm. And so the way they did it was incredible. They they said to they said to me, "I'm sure I've written this in." Yeah, I did write it in the book. Is that I, they said draw where you'd like to be draw where you'd like to be yeah you know mm-hmm. and so I drew this huge house in the Caribbean because that was my the Caribbean is my oh, I, I'm sure I've got a previous life there I used to like I, I dive I scuba dive and I used to go there five six times a year I love the people the energy I just absolutely adore it mm-hmm. so I thought right So I'm going to draw this big house. I drew everything from where I'd make my cup of tea in the morning or coffee, Mm -hmm. uh, where the TV was, all the bedrooms. I then drew a key at the end of it, where the swimming pool was. And there was this huge lagoon that eventually led into the sea. I went, there you go. How are you going to create that? Don't think so.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, how they laughed. (laughs) Because when I was well, which again, it'll be in the book to show you how I got there. I literally went over. My friend lived in Grenada mm-hmm. and she said, look, come out. It doesn't matter if you're ill. You know, it was all disabled access through the airport. So it was absolutely fantastic. And I got over there and, it, you know, it was, it was easy because I could just sleep and sunbathe. It wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. And then she said, oh, would you like to come with me? Um, with My friend's looking at a new house she's going to buy. You know what's coming next.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: we walk, I come up to these gates and I say, I know this place. And we walked in. There was even a dead lizard in the middle of the floor, which I drew in the picture. Wow. And I walked into the house and it was exactly how I'd drawn it, where Mm -hmm. the swimming pool was. There was a key at the end into this beautiful lagoon in Grenada. And I ended up becoming friends with that lady and staying at that house.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I went, whoa. And I, I showed her, I sent her a photo of it when I got back to the UK. And she went, oh, my goodness, that's my home. I said, I know. But I drew that four years ago.
0: Wow. And I was wow. like,
2: wow, you know, and things like that. So when so that obviously hadn't been proved to me until four years' time, but it was simple things. Like I I used to scream and shout at them, even though I knew they were there and they're this wonderful celestial, you know, presence. I used to go, Rah! And I remember them telling me to write my journey, to write a book. And I oh really you really want me to be an author now do you whatever this is how I used to speak to them I still mm-hmm. was quite angry as you can tell oh yeah and I'm like, oh. and I'm like you know people a fickle they've all left me behind nobody cares about me I haven't even got a magazine column how am I going to become an author who's going to buy my book who cares all this self-pity thing mm-hmm. and then the follow oh how they laughed again Brian because the following day I got an email completely randomly From a very huge spiritual magazine in the UK, asking me if I wanted to do a column. Mm. Now, you have to be high profile, busy, and out there to get a column in a magazine. I'm like, this is extraordinary. And then three months later, I get offered a second column. And so suddenly, I thought, hang on a minute, I'm in the running here. And then they told me, they forced me to teach on YouTube. by saying teach, and I'm like, I'm not teaching anything. What well, you going to do, it from my bed? Yes, teach. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. And then my phone turned itself on, and um, a YouTube video was playing, I didn't even subscribe to YouTube at the time. And I said, like, oh, you are kidding me. But by that time, I would learned that everything they were telling me to do, I did it, and things worked out incredibly. Hmm. And so I started, um, obviously, The Bedroom Guru, where – I kind of like it I started doing videos from my bed Mm -hmm. so you know I've got all my makeup on today but I normally just sit in my pajamas in my bed and then I just talk about whatever I want to do or spiritual education and when I feel well enough I do card readings and you know it's taken a while to grow but everything that they've told me to manifest and believe in has happened so when When the book was finished, and it wasn't even edited professionally, to be honest with you, that's something I need to do next time around. But send send it out. Send it out. And I'm like, I'm not sending this out. Send it out. You'll get a deal. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to get a deal. It's not going to happen. And, oh, my goodness, only took about a week. Mm -hmm. And, oh, yes, we're very interested in this project. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And now it's number one. On Amazon in my genre, it's reached hmm. number one. Wow. And it's it's incredible because you know, I would I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been that surprised in my time before the Ronax and I call my previous life because obviously I had a huge following, I had lots of presence, you know, I was on the TV and it was easy. Mm-hmm. But to come from nothing and then reach number one in Amazon, and I'm like, wow, oh, this is just incredible. But I it's, but even now I, I just manifest anything. And it's not out of greed or want. If I think you know that's going to help the greater good and say, so can you help me do that? They do it. Wow. They deliver. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just about trusting the process. It's about surrendering, accepting whatever blackness you're in and finding ways to work forward from it. And you were just mentioning earlier about my Prism Living course. That's exactly what I did with my Prism Living course. It's a seven-week online course, mm-hmm. and I send lessons or the sessions every week. And they contain, <clears throat> they contain everything that the angels and the spirit world bought me to get you into a spiritual and mindful way of life that you can deal and cope with anything moving forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, because I've seen the vastness and the depth of our soul and who we are and where we come from, when I get a problem, it's like, really? Really? Whereas some people will make that problem, oh, my God, I can't cope. I can't cope. It's like, oh, well, yeah, it's not great, but I'll get over it because it really isn't big in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And so that's how I feel about it. And people say to me, how are you so positive? How are you so happy? It's because I've been shown that we're not alone, that miracles do happen, and that they dragged me from a five-year sentence in bed, took me through a spiritual boot camp to alleviate me of all these demons and you know the way i used to behave from my trauma in the past Mm -hmm. and have created this happy contented person that's sitting in her pajamas reaching the world
1: we'll get back to grief to growth in just a few seconds did you know that brian is an author and a life coach if you're grieving or know someone who is grieving his book grief to growth is a best-selling easy to read book that might help you or someone you know people work with brian as a life coach to break through barriers and live their best lives, you can find out more about Brian and what he offers at www.grieftogrowth.com, wwwg www.g-r-i-e-f, the number two growthcom or text growth g-r-o-w-t-h to three one nine nine six. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com/grieftogrowth www.patreon.com slash g-r-i-e-f the number two g-r-o-w-t-h to make a financial contribution and now back to grief to growth
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's it's um when i when i guess like i'm reading your book and, and looking at the arc of your life and the, the ups and the downs and, and again the spiritual boot camp um you know, it's really easy, I guess, for us to say, and I call it spiritual bypassing. When People just say, oh, well, it's everything's the way it's supposed to be. So I'm just going to be, you know, happy. And, and you're very real and very raw in the book about the way you explain, you know, what you went through. But it seems like you always held on to the sliver. Obviously, you did because you thought about suicide, yes. but you didn't do it. So there was always exactly. some hope, some hope that you could. And then you, you even got a message. Your father came to you another time at some point. <gasps> And, and and you're kind of like, OK, well, I, I have to go through this, but there's light at the end of the tunnel.
2: That's that's what I think kept me going as well. In the moment, it, it was my dogs. But I knew subconsciously that my dad had told me he, he'd visit me. My friends, it's an amazing gift they gave me. My friends took me away to Turkey. And um, I, somebody said, oh, we heard you're psychic. Would you like to swap a reading, you know, with the local seer here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we swapped readings. And then I went up to um, the apartment just to t- kind of take on board everything she'd said. Because she literally gave me a reading that was so gloom and doing. Yeah. I was like, oh. Going to be so ill. You're going to lose everything. I'm like, oh my goodness! It's like, and she goes, and your two dogs will keep you alive. And I'm thinking, what's she talking about? It's like, wow. Well, I need to like kind of, you know, put and I put it all in my journal at the time. I sat mm-hmm. in my journal, and then bearing in mind, it was 45 degrees outside, and the balcony doors were open, so the aircon wasn't on or anything in the apartment. And I looked down and thought, what's that? And I could see mist coming from my mouth. And I'm like, what? What is going on? And it was freezing and then in my peripheral vision i looked to my left and i just saw all this light and glitter and it was getting stronger and stronger and then it was like my dad just walked through the clouds and it was like all this he was like semi-invisible but when his face turned to me it was solid Mm -hmm. like a human face he went hello darling i was was on the floor i was hysterical Mm -hmm. and normally most mediums will tell you this yes we can connect keep connected to a spirit person when we're doing a reading, but just to sit when you close down and have a spirit visit you for 10 minutes, he sat there in a chair. Mm. And I, it makes me go woozy now. And I'm literally looking at him and I'm blinking, thinking, I'm, I'm having a breakdown. I, I'm, I'm looking at my dad. And he obviously had gone to Gabriel, who is a, an archangel of um, visitation as well as a messenger and mm. a manifestation. And he obviously said, Look, you know, she's a spiritual ambassador. Um, we need to kind of keep her because she might kill herself So <laughs> best go down and have a chat with her. Yeah. And so I think he was, a, he was enabled. I don't think it will ever happen again to me. And he basically did say, you're going to go through the worst time of your life. And, you know, people, I think one of, I had um someone that did um really not me actually, but someone reviewed my book um and said, Oh, you know, it was all her, her problem. It was all her choices. She made, you know, she's not mm. the heroine because she made bad decisions but the whole reason I highlighted my bad decisions mm. is because that's what we do when we have no self-love. Yeah. When we are when we are victims of trauma and whatever we've had happen to us, we will always make those mistakes. And that's why I highlighted the bad mistakes I made so much, especially in relationships. Because so many women and men can connect with that, and so, yeah. yeah, why am I always with people like that? Because you don't think you deserve any better. This is simple answer.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with that guy at all. I thought the book, I, I've, it's just, I have, I've read up until recently, like two memoirs in my entire life, I, I, autobiographies, biographies, whatever. Because I don't, you know, but but now I see this as a universal story, and, and I see everybody <laughs> in you. You're just extreme. It's like you got dumped on, but we can all relate to these little things. And when and when you say I lost it all, some of us will say, why well, I lost everything. You, you literally lost everything. Yeah. You know,
2: Absolutely everything. You know, yeah. I, I've always been, <clears throat> sorry, I've always been a survivor. Mm-hmm. And so if I had had my health, I would have just dusted myself down and carried on fighting. But also to have your health taken as well. yeah, I literally had no strength in any direction at all. And so I chose that isolation and some of my friends, like, you know, some people have asked um, on Goodreads and things like, well, you know, where were your friends? Where? And it's like they didn't, most of them didn't even know half of what I was going through because, yeah. you know, when you have like a really bad flu day and you feel grotty, and you know, you're just going to, you know, upset people because you're moaning. You just want to get your head down and just sleep it out. And that's yeah. what I did. That's what I wanted to do for five years. Obviously, the angel realms and spirit world had different idea, mm-hmm. but that's what I wanted to do. And I just and the thing is as well, it was exhausting having to talk to people if i'd if, if i'd explained it and this is another thing i want to say to chronic illness sufferers as well is mm-hmm. is that i used to be such a people pleaser before and so i would sit and endure people talking and i'm thinking my god this is i'm going to be in bed for a day because of this right. and so you know even now so i've stayed in bed all day so that i can make sure that i've got the energy to do this interview and then i'll go back to bed after this mm-hmm. so people see this bit But, you know, at the moment, my ribs are hurting, my knees are killing me, my eyes are really tired, and I can't feel my hands very well because they feel a bit numb. Hmm. But you don't tell people that. It's an invisible illness. You don't go on about that. You know, you just deal with it, if that makes sense. And so to chronic illness sufferers, own your truth. Tell people, no, I, I can't. You know, the best friend or the best family member is someone that will sit in the other room. And just pop in and see if you need anything now and then. Yeah, yeah. Not to talk or say, oh, the, oh, darling, if I had a dollar <clears throat> for every person that said to me, oh, you know, if you stay awake, you'll sleep all night. And, you know, if you just rest up and go and do some exercise, that'll get you going. You know, yeah. all this all this same rubbish. I would be in a mansion being fed grapes by naked waiters.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, when, when you say this, it reminds me when people are going through grief. It, it just takes everything we have out of us and and so if we're a people pleasing kind of person, being around other people just it drains us. so sometimes people just they need to be by themselves and to process what we're going through and that, and that's okay and it's okay to learn to learn to say no to people I, I don't I don't want to do that right now I can't do that right now that's not that's not good for me um, And I think yes. it's one of the lessons that you learned with the condition that you still deal with
2: absolutely right this is why this isn't just about chronic illness you see it is about people that are grieving or in bereavement
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and this is my my second book is actually completely on this subject which i can't wait to get out there which is you won't leave me and it's a spiritual as well as a human aspect on how to cope with grief and bereavement how to then um seek spiritual help and then how to manifest a spiritual relationship with your loved one and at the end of it it actually describes true stories of people that were totally sceptic and have reconnected with their loved ones from the spirit world from what they've done. It's a beautiful Mm -hmm. book. Mm. And that was the next stage from this one. You know, this was me saying who I am now and how to cope with grief and loss. So it's not just about the illness. Um, It's about the fact of how to approach the biggest losses of your life, whether it's a loved one, whether it's a material thing, whatever it is. And so. you know I feel like I remember having a reading with someone I never planned it but someone had visited locally and they said oh we've got a free slot do you want to go in there and the medium actually said to me your first because I actually did I did have a fantastic dream I get these dreams and then I write the book out Mm. and I had this amazing story the earth walkers and I thought that was going to be my first book um and this medium said to me you know your first book is going to be your diary don't you they said, you're going to be a pioneer and you're going to make it so real and raw that people will pay attention and mm. realise that anybody can heal from any darkness. And I went, yeah. oh, really? I thought, oh, I don't want to put that book out. I want to do my lovely fictional story I had to dream about.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and they were right, you know, and it was. And I just knew I had to get this one out first. And then <clears throat> as soon as I finished that one, I then thought, well, the next natural step is, is to show how to cope with grief So I obviously knew about the grieving model. I knew about how to cope with grief because obviously I was bereavement trained as a detective. Mm -hmm. But then I also started to get taught by the angel realms and the spirit world things like um, what crystals help, what mindfulness exercises help, what angel helps you, you know. Mm -hmm. And I started to and they started to introduce angels I'd never heard of. And so this is Chamuel. I've never heard of that. Yeah. You, know, you, you know the big ones, like Michael and Gabriel. Right, right. Yeah. Oh God, and then the room would go pink, and they go, this is Chamuel, she's going to help you. I'm like, right. And then I'll be on that Google, Chamuel is the archangel of self-love, helps you through grieving, helps you to manifest in love. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. So then they taught me to start... I, you know, identifying my angel and then identifying how they would help me in my grieving, because it wasn't just as as you say, I was grieving the loss of every single part of my life.
0: Yeah. And it was almost the
2: death of my life. Yeah, well,
0: your family, you know, uh, thanks to to Dick, you know, your family (laughs) and and your your romantic relationships and your money and and, uh, two homes uh, and your health. I mean, so that's pretty much that's stripped yeah, down to, yeah your and career yeah you stripped down to to, to nothing and it, just so the again I'm reading your story I just see the human spirit, the endurance of the human spirit, the, the resilience, the the just hanging on to and, and then this chronic illness that, that a lot of people dismiss and don't understand yeah. and say well you're you're faking it or you're it's all psychosomatic. Yes. Um, so you, you don't get a lot of sympathy that people get if they have, you know, other types of conditions.
2: Oh, it is, it is the most disgusting. Oh, what's the best way to say it without me getting really angry. We are so badly disregarded because it's not a well-known name, Mm no MS. Um, and this is no disrespect to MS sufferers, but for for instance, over here, I think it's 46,000 sufferers in the UK of MS. With CFS and fibromyalgia, it's 260,000. But Mm. we're just basically told, this is your diagnosis because we can't find anything else wrong with you. Off you go. And the suicide rate obviously has gone up because of it. And I get so many hundreds of people a week writing to me saying, I've got nothing to live for. How have you done it? right you know because the problem is there's no facilities for us there's no center we can go to I remember going to um I remember going to ask for physiotherapy because I just my whole body was seizing up Mm -hmm. and um they basically I, I managed to get to the first um appointment and I said look can I not go into the hydrotherapy pool I feel that'll really help because I'm just in so much agonizing pain it's not just joints it's skin, it's hair follicles, it's muscles, tendons, nerves. Mm. You've got the whole lot. Um, he goes, oh, no, that's just the people that, you know, that are recovering from an accident. And I went, well, it really helped me. No, 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 I'm not going to have that. So then he, told, he sent me home and told me to do Tai Chi. I couldn't even lift my hand up to eat something. Yeah. So, and then because I was so exhausted and so much pain, I couldn't make the next two appointments. So they just struck me off They said, oh, because you haven't bothered to turn up. I said, whoa, hang on a minute. It's not that I haven't bothered. He said, I haven't got any carers. I've got nobody to drive me. Yeah. And I physically can't get to the appointment. And what is the point when you're telling me to do things I can't even do? And so I got struck off of there. I got struck off of the ME service that they do because I didn't turn up the appointments to sit and moan about my condition and go home. And so that was it. I was left yeah. with nothing. Yeah. And, you know, if it wasn't for my nan who came and visited me from the spirit world one evening and said, go on that Facebook thingy. I'm thinking, what? You've come all the way from heaven and you're telling me to go on Facebook? And I thought, well, I might as well do it. It was about 3 a.m. in the morning. And I opened up Facebook and there was this lady crying. And um, I'm thinking, what's she crying for? It was with happiness. And she had been in bed for 10 years and taken this drug. And then within a week, she was down the park playing with the children and she couldn't believe how well this drug worked. Now, in any, I'm a, I'm a sceptic. I'm an mm-hmm. open-minded sceptic. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't think everything's fluffy and spiritual because the detective in me says, I need evidence. They must have Valium up there, darling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm like, no, I'm not having that. You've got to prove it. So, um, because i have been woken up and my nan had told me to go on there, mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to phone these people up because I'm one of these people as well that don't sit there and go, oh, worries is me. I will try and get as well as I can, and so I phoned these people up, and it was um, and funny enough, it's all uh, comes from Glasgow in Scotland, mm. and it was a dr- it's a drug called low dose naltrexone, mm-hmm. and I started taking that within a week. I was up on the phone telling my mum that I would come and drive and see her. She couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, and so that drug is the one that enables me now to sit here and talk to you, understand you. Obviously, my throat's a bit weak because I'm a bit tired at the moment. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, that's the drug that got me up and running. But guess what? They won't prescribe it here. So you have mm-hmm. to buy it privately. And I know that obviously you do all have private medical schemes over there. But one of our things is the NHS. Right. Um, and I said to them, why can't I get this through the GP? Why can't I get it through my surgery, my doctor's surgery? Mm-hmm. And you know why? It's because it's a non-profit drug. And because the man that created the drug, um, he was the one that created the HIV drug, and um, oh, that okay. people could then take HIV and live a normal life. He just mm-hmm. thought that a smaller dose would help people with MS, oh, Luke really? Hashimoto's, ME. And so it does.
1: Hmm. Wow. Um,
2: um, but he refused to sell it on to pharmaceutical companies. So it didn't go through the FDA. So it's now known as a red label drug. Um, And yet I know it works. I know 100% it works. And to have, I have three years of insomnia and to have my first night's sleep on that drug, I can't tell you. Because the funny thing is, as you know, my first place, only due to the generosity of a friend, was in a cemetery. I lived in a cemetery. Yes, yes. And... I used to, you know what, I still laugh now because I had this big white fleece robe with this hood and because I didn't sleep for three years, that doesn't help your mental health either. And I was just, oh my goodness. And I remember one night, I think it, I'm sure I did put it in the book. Mm-hmm. I remember one night because I was wide awake. I thought, you know, at least I can walk. I feel like I can walk a few steps, and so I had a hurricane lamp, and I was walking through the cemetery.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could just <laughs> imagine, lamp.
2: and then I heard this car smash up off the road and go through the hedges and get back down the road. I think they saw they saw a ghost. Walking yeah,
0: through. yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs>
2: And um, that was me trying out walking with this new drug. It was me trying out this walking. So there wasn't a ghost in the cemetery there. Yeah. But um, and so I'm thinking, I can actually walk. And then I got further and further. And then that's when they then taught me how to pace, how to respect myself. And again, it all boils down, darling, to self love. Mm-hmm. Self love is the key to everything. I deserve to rest. I deserve to say no to people. I deserve mm. to be the best I can be. I deserve to have the best people in my life. And once you start giving that energy out, you attract it back in. I've got mm. the most beautiful, supportive, loving friends around me now that I've ever had. Because in the old the old me, the TV, Nikki Allen, you have all these people connect to you and you're mm. just, you know, bathing in their adoration because you hate yourself so much. They can do it for you. They can yeah. fill in the gaps. Yeah. But now I have these most beautiful, earthy people around me. I've met the most wonderful man who's the love of my life and he's my soul mate. I know that. Mm. And it's all just, and how could you do that? Again, I remember being, you know, I was celibate for six years. I just didn't go near men at all. I just knew that I had to keep away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally learned that lesson out of self-love again. And um, when they said, oh, you know, you're going to be meeting someone, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not at all. And it was very difficult circumstances, how I met them and everything. But again, they were telling me I was going to have it and that I deserved it. And I deserved someone to look out for me because I used to be, who's going to want somebody in my old self? Who's going to want someone that has chronic fatigue and is always in pain? Who's going to want that person? But he's seen me waltzing on because Mm -hmm. I love myself enough now. I can, he can come in I haven't brushed my hair. I haven't had a shower. And I don't care. because It's not I don't care, but it's me. Yes. It's a transparency that I feel attracts other transparent people. And that's what I want to bring across to everybody. I want to show people. So many people say, how do you do it? How do you do it? It's not about how you do it. It's how you feel doing it. Do you deserve to do it? You can't just... You know, it's like the prism living course, for instance. You can't just go through the motions and say, oh, well, I've done that box. I've ticked that box. You've got to feel it and know it and yeah. accept yourself, love yourself. Because as soon as you start creating that self-adoration helped by Chamuel at the time, Archangel mm-hmm. Chamuel, I'm like, wow, I'm attracting all this abundance. And so now it's like, for instance, I have no credit. I had no credit at all. Um Because no, obviously my ex stole hundreds, um, not hundreds, tens of thousands from me. Mm-hmm. I had bailiffs knocking on the door and God knows what. And um, I remember I, I thought I, 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 because I could drive again, I couldn't use a manual car. It was mm-hmm. just too much. It was too much on my limbs. And I thought I need an automatic car. And I said, do you think I'll be able to get an automatic car, please, guys? I talked to them like that. I don't go, thou art. I came on my one. I don't yeah. do that. I go, all right, guys. this is the problem i need a new car and i've got no credit and then i felt this overwhelming knowledge you will get it and i'm like this is impossible because i I, you know i'm still blackballed you know i think it takes about five or six years doesn't it to get over here it does anyway Mm -hmm. to get your credit back Mm -hmm. and so i thought right well i deserve this i need it i need an automatic car so all i have to do is just press one pedal and steer i really do need this and um I, put an, I just found this car. It came up, and I'm like, wow, it's exactly the same as my other car. It's all I needed was just an upgrade. My other car was leaking, and goodness knows what else. Yeah. And I thought, oh, right, that's the one I'd like, please. And then I just went, buy it now. And it just went, yep, yeah, your credit's been approved. I'm like, what? How can it be approved? I can't believe it. Yeah. And within a week, the car was on my drive.
1: Yeah.
2: You know?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting how it- – it seems like, well, you, you were told you're going to go through this period. And, and I think the Turkish medium is just is almost kind of funny because we go to mediums, we go to fortune tellers, they always tell us good stuff. It's like, yeah, you're going yes. to get over this. You're going to get, and, and that person's <laughs> like, yeah, no, this is going to suck for a, a long time. But, you know, you go through this, this arc but it's all, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So how do you feel about the idea of soul planning? Do you think this was, this was planned for your benefit? 100%. Okay.
2: The reason why. Um, Again, proven to me, very quickly I'll tell you about my guide because it will bear relevance to the soul planning. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said to you a while ago, I am an open-minded sceptic. So unless they prove it to me, I will not share it with anybody. So whatever I talk about my YouTube channel or, you know, if I can get out to physical shows, it's what I know is 100%. They've backed it up with some material evidence, okay? Mm -hmm. So when my guide came and introduced himself just after I got retired from the police service, Julianus, he said, oh, this is how we met. This is how we met. And I'm like, oh, whatever. no you know what I mean? It's a surprise you're not an Indian. So he <laughs> basically takes me to this cave, right? Freezing cold. I feel it's cold. I can smell the sulfur in the, the air and hear these drops of water. And then this cave rock opens, come out, and it's lovely and warm. And there's all these cypress trees. And, I, and Julianne and Sistana is saying, this is where we live together, Mary. I'm like, okay then, and it said, it was, you know, he's a monk, I'm thinking, was I a nun? Because that's the last thing I could ever imagine me being, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So he said, um, it's, I said, where are we then? And he goes, it's 1452 in Trastevere, Rome. And I went, right, okay, and I'm thinking, remember that, Nikki. remember that, Nikki. Because it was like kind of like a half dream, half meditation, I didn't even intend to do this, I did think, right, I'm going to speak to my guide, he just trotted up. And so I said, "Right, well, okay. And he goes, come with me. And he said, this is the church you were welcomed in to the house of Mary Magdalena in 1452. And it was called St. Cecilia's. And there was these huge pillars and this beautiful Italian square. It was lovely. Hmm. And as you walked through the columns, there was this fountain and there was this archway. And he said, that's where I write my prophecies on that archway. I'm like, Okay. And so he takes me through, and then he says, "Come, come, Nicholas." And then this beautiful man comes, kisses me on the forehead, and he said, "I look after you, Mary, in this house. I am Nicholas." Hmm. And then I saw a big V, Nicholas V, and I thought, "Well, perhaps he's a pope. I don't know." And so then they said, "Come, we must make haste. Ava Mary's upon us." And they looked up to the sky, on Clover, and then I came round. I must have been out for about two hours. I'm like, "Wow, hmm. Google. So I'm kind of finding bits and pieces, but I thought, no, this is so real. And do you know what I did? I bought a ticket and went to Rome. Hmm. Wow, okay. I got in a cab and I said, take me to St. Cecilia's Church now, please, in Trastevere. He went, see, and I went, oh, my God, does it exist then? It does exist. Like <laughs> he's driving me. My heart is going boom, 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 boom. boom, boom. We get there and I start crying. He's going, Are you okay, madam? Are you okay? And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm in the square. There's the columns of St. Cecilia's Church. And I can see the fountain through the columns. I'm mm. like, Oh my goodness. I can't believe this. I walk in and there's a bust of Julianus. Oh, and okay. it, there's a San Franciscan monk and they had to do six months sabbatical in a cave to find themselves before they then went into the monastery, I found out that the place where the nuns stay is a house of Mary Magdalena Mm. and that they were welcomed into that church, into the monastery in 1452. Mm. Couldn't believe it. So then after crying my eyes out there, I then went to the Vatican and I thought I need to go and find Pope Nicholas V. That will absolutely seal it now because I found Julianus. And so I went up to this guide. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Vatican. There's tens of thousands of people everywhere. And I said, where's Pope Nicholas of this crypt? No, madam, no, it's not here. I went, yes, it is. And I started getting really impatient. I, I'm not a rude person, but I was getting really impatient. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, he's not here. I said, yes, he is. And then I just <laughs> walk across these thousands of crowds to this tiny little doorway. I know exactly where I'm going. I walk down the steps, second crypt on the right. I am over this crypt, crying my eyes out, hugging it. Hmm. to the extent where some nuns come up to me and say oh you're right and they sat me down I was hysterical and then when I got myself all sorted went up the crypt was Pope, Pope Nicholas V and he presided over the diocese of Trastevere in 1452 wow but I'm like wow so when I come back up this guy finds me how he found me, I don't think it to a very special lady, I found from an old superintendent that um, Pope Nicholas of Biff was here. He ended up giving me three files of holy water from the Pope's font.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I healed my dog's tumour with that. That's just another aside. So I'm like, wow, this this like previous life thing really works then so then they started introducing me to my other guides and my previous lives and i went and found them and where i was one of them's arizona still got to do that one arizona hmm. and so then i started getting into soul journeys and i and i i was very lucky that i've been given access to the K-Ship records so i can look at the book of souls and that kind of thing and during my learning they showed me what happens very long answer sorry darling but no, this is great the basis of it mm-hmm. so they took me to the halls of learning which is a layer in the crystal palace mm-hmm. um, which is heaven basically i explain it all on my youtube channel and in the halls of learning this is how layman's terms it happens and this is all described in my second book what happens is is we have a soul cluster okay of people mm-hmm. so we no matter what we do wherever we go those people stick with us through every incarnation we're all mm-hmm. attracted to each other and we stick together. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, when you come down, you know, your daughter can be your dad, your mum can be your brother in the next life, but we all stick together. And what happens is we decide to come down. Normally three generations, they tell me, is the gap to when we feel like we want to come down. And I said, why do we come down? And they said, because you get so bored with the <sighs> utopia of where you are. And I'm like, oh, I'm going I'm to be bored.
0: And I'm never doing this again, out. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: So I basically um, said right, okay. And so, so what happens is, layman's terms, they give it to me layman's terms. It's not worth doing it all. Blah. So you go in with your soul cluster and your soul guide, and they say, right, what do you want to learn this time round? So obviously, I don't know what I was thinking. I said, I would like to learn complete loss, please, so that I can then show people how to get back. Because, obviously, my job's always been a spiritual advisor. Even from 1452, I was a nun. So there's Mm -hmm. been some spiritual thing going on the whole time. Okay, then. So you want to lose everything, do you? I said, yeah. And I also, and you know, I don't know if you, like that Celeste, oh, what's it called? I'll try to think of the book in a minute. The Prophecies. Celestine. Um, Celestine prophecies thank Mm -hmm. you darling Mm -hmm. again a bit of brain fog getting Celestine prophecies it's a bit like that so I go and then when I break down you come and help me that will help you and then if you come along at that time and so you're planning with your soul cluster how to get out of that situation or what you want to endure so Mm -hmm. for instance some some it's like for instance I've had babies come to me and say oh I didn't want to do another lifetime but all my soul cluster did so I thought I'd go up and I'll be their guide so I can't be I can't be doing it Hmm. You know, so this is why we lose babies and why we lose young children, why we lose people that we think, "What the hell?" Um, And Hmm. sometimes it's even down to karmic connections with a previous life, why they choose to go back early. I don't know, but we asked for all of our. (laughs) I can I can imagine now exactly. That's my dad, right? I can. People go, "What? I asked for this? I don't think so."
0: Yeah,
2: you did. Because when you go back up, it's only because I'm more aware of it, and most people aren't, that this is a speck of soul in an ocean of soul infinity. Yeah. This little life is so insignificant compared to what we endure with our soul cluster. Mm-hmm. And 100% that we go up and we connect with the people that we love and miss here. You know, all my family's gone, apart from one auntie and one uncle. Obviously, my brother and sister, that's it. They've all all gone up to Spirit World. They obviously want to go home early. And so I talk to them up and they go, yeah, 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 I'm really glad you're having a lovely time, whatever. You can come and help me though, can't you? You know, I have these conversations. I keep it real with them and talk to them as if they're still alive. Yeah. Right, but they say, well, you chose it. We've just got to wait for you to come back up now.
0: Okay, and so, so I've, you- I've got two things I have to say to you. So one is, um, I, I talked to about contrast souls. So do you think Dick is a contrast soul? Did, he, did, did you plan for yes. him to be in your life? Okay.
2: Yes, and I thank him for doing it, because if he hadn't have done that, I would not, wouldn't be sitting here now talking to you.
0: That's, that's, a, that's a tough concept. That's, that's a deep concept for people to, to grasp, right? Because this guy, and when people Brilliant, read man. the book, and I encourage everybody to read the book, it's fantastic. Thank
2: you. Thank but you so much. But you
0: look at this guy, and you want to hate him. You want to hate on this guy.
2: Oh, no, I don't. Yeah. I know. How mad is that? Because I hated him with vengeance at the time. Yeah. Hated him. But because of everything I've learned and been shown, I now thank him for his, and, you know, what? The, the chapter, Here's to my ex. They all taught me things that now I know showed me what bad space I was in and how much lack of self-love I had for myself. And so him doing that, I thank him totally. I thank him totally because if he hadn't have done that, and I've I've, I've done that, I've looked, i thought, what would happen if you didn't have that accident? I would be still working my butt off to get money in, paying for everything, and being completely disregarding, completely taken for granted, not loved properly. And I'd be in this space of just enduring my life without awakening myself, mm. being this, you know, Nikki Allen person. And don't get me wrong. I don't want people to think that, you know, all the shows I did and everything I did wasn't me being fake. Absolutely not. Word, no. The spiritual side was 100%. I've always wanted to help people since I was a child. Mm-hmm. The difference is though, I wasn't working it myself. Yeah. So now turning it's making me go goosey, quite emotional, sorry. But now turning it on myself gives me the purity to give it out to other people yeah. and try and bring peace to their lives because really I can't, I am not by any means taking away the fact that we go through hell when we lose people, mm-hmm. when we experience any type of loss. It is absolutely life, oh, my God, it's it horrific. And that's why I'm so passionate in wanting to bridge that and bring the awareness of the spirit world to people yes we're never going to physically get them back but if we have some spiritual hope belief faith system that they're still with us and not live for that but know they're still there and that we'll be reunited my Mm -hmm. job's done if I can get one person to understand and know that my job's done and so for me to be able to give that out now and say you know they go how do you know that how do I know that this is my story, mm-hmm. this is what I was shown, and I'm telling you you're not alone, and I'm telling you, take it or leave it. People could possibly even think, oh, this is all a bunch of lies and it's all a lovely story. If I, why am I going to be writing these entries in when I could hardly hold a pen? And can, uh, No, sometimes I'd be literally, I woke up, there's a photo that I've put out where I woke up and my eye refused to open mm. for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And it was horrific. And so I'm trying to write with one eye because I knew that there was something that I was going to have to be doing in the future to help people. And it was me almost going through the sufferance to so then say, so I've been there and this is how I can help you to get out of it. Yeah. And so sole contract, thank you very much, Dick, for you coming in and being yeah. a complete dick.
0: So the other thing <laughs> I want to ask you, you know, you, you mentioned earlier people that that come in and leave early. My daughter passed at 15. And that's your
2: daughter in the background.
0: Yeah, that's my daughter. Yeah, that's right. my
2: daughter. I, Do you know what? I did what I, I expressly did not want to know about your personal life in case anything came up. Um, but I have obviously watched a lot of your interviews with people. Mm-hmm. And so she is a shining beacon of light around you. But I tell you what, with her, she's got this naughty little minxy energy. <laughs> so she will move things or hype things, mm-hmm. that's because she loves you going, oh man, I know I put that there, right, and she's like, yes, yeah. <laughs> so she's got this bright, vibrant energy, of being minxy, okay, and I mm-hmm. knew that was her, but I didn't want to stop getting into the Nikki Allen medium show, and all the rest mm-hmm. of it, but I don't know anything about you, but I knew that's, your loss mm-hmm. from seeing her. And it's obvious if she's in the background, but she has got this minxy wanting to make you laugh energy. So she doesn't come through as, I'm okay, daddy. She's like, right, daddy, what can I do next to make you laugh or really wind you up? That's her energy, okay? Mm-hmm. And she, I tell you what else she does, and I don't know if you've ever been told this before, but she, again, is such an old soul. You're an old soul. You're in an old soul contract. You're an old soul cluster. And so with your daughter, I don't know why I keep seeing Bambi, I keep seeing Bambi,
1: hmm.
2: like Disney Bambi, uh-huh. all that's about. But anyway, she is um, Disney stuff. I keep seeing Disney stuff. But she is someone that also I believe, because I keep going looking at her as I'm looking at you, right, mm-hmm. and she is also someone that helps young people when they go over.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she
2: isn't, she's the most selfless girl, you know, and they're all, you know, teenagers are teenagers at the end of the day, but she was selfless and she was an old, she is an old soul, yeah. very wise in her years and very chat, chat back. You could never win an argument with her.
0: Absolutely. Never win no. an
2: argument with her. you like, well, why, why is that then? Because no, I just said no, I actually want you to explain that. You're like, uh, oh my goodness, she's totally got me, you know? Yeah. And she's such a ray of light, and don't ever, ever think that she, grieves her life or she's worried that she went back early because she is so strongly manifesting in your life mm-hmm. in so many ways i don't think a day doesn't go by where you see some sort of synchronicity that connects you to her
0: every day yeah pretty much every day I know it.
2: I'm yeah telling pre- you, I know pre-
0: it. pretty much every day and the thing is i always blame her for this life because i could just see shana planning this whole thing out and and she we 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 didn't know it until after she passed, but, you know, I feel we got signs that she was going to be here for a long time, just the way she, she lived her life. So when you were talking about slow planning. I'm like, I blame her. I blame her for this and for leaving me here. So, yeah, uh, I
2: totally get that. But that's your human emotion connection there, isn't yeah. it? And that's never going to most probably lead you. You know, the, the, there's no magic in what we're, we're doing here. You know, I know I'm in the best place I've ever been, but, you know, if someone close to me died or passed away, of course, my emotional part of my ego yes. system, it's going to be in complete, you know, tragic hell. But that's why I made sure that I mentioned the passing of my mum. It wasn't the fundamental message of, you know, the reunion with the families, also the fact that we view death, even though it's devastating in its form, straight away we were already, well, I wonder where she is, like someone flying away on holiday, on vacation, mm-hmm, or oh, I wonder mm-hmm. if they've landed yet, I wonder if they're having fun. And then you start getting the synchronicity, you start getting the signs, and it's never, darling, is it? It's never going to replace holding your daughter in your arms again, never. Yeah. However, yeah. if there is just something special that happens that you think she's done that, Mm-hmm. Then I'm telling you that has surely got to be better than being a skeptic or bereft in your grief and thinking they've gone forever. Yeah, you know, I, I personally, I personally want to go. Well, I don't, don't believe it. I know 100 percent that they are here and they do the most amazing things. And she is an absolute beacon of light. And I can imagine that you do blame her for that. Um, well, but I, say that, I say that I say that
0: jokingly. I mean, I I know, no, I know. that. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, did. Did. Yeah, I
2: know somebody died in the road accident none of this would happen yeah that's I'm it. like oh, you know
0: it's bad. like you're out of here you're having fun and I, I gotta stay here exactly. and work that's the way I look exactly. at it it's like I I still have to work um I, I wanted to ask you one another question about the book um you, you mentioned a lot of times pulling cards apparently you had it like a tarot card deck or an angel yes. card deck that you used so obviously you you believe in that strongly
2: I didn't I didn't I just saw cards were cards to be honest with you my family but these are the ones Okay, two Okay. And basically, um I used to I used to muck around with cards and tarot cards as a child because they were always on the table in our ho- in our homes at like my mm-hmm. nan's and my auntie's house, which is a really good tarot reader. And I just thought cards were cards. Um I even in my early days, because I was so strong on the medium link, I used to tell people to throw their cards away because I wanted them to work with their intuition and work with their blending and channeling abilities. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I'd lost that connection because I was in such deep grief and I'd lost that connection. And the only thing, again, that would give me hope was looking at the cards. It was just one thing that try and try and give me some sort of thing to aspire to because of obviously my dad saying it'd be okay. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was I got these cards and I started putting them out, asking a question every single time. They answered me.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: So I found that they were inspiring me to pick certain cards or cards would just fly out and land, and they answered every single thing. And, you know, as you, as you know um, from the book, I basically moved on the, on the turn of three cards. Mm-hmm. Shall yeah. I move house? Am I ready to go now? Am I ready to be back in the world? And then it was, you know, I think it was Archangel Michael again. What you know when you read the synchronicities of michael how he found me in my house and i live in the district of st michael now
1: yeah
2: and it's like you know and so archangel michael time for new change to embrace changes new home this you know phase of your life is over move on and that was it i phoned up the estate agent straight after and sell so realty agent and said right i'm moving i need to sell my house and that yeah. was on those cars because they have ne- and they still they still don't ever change they're always completely right Whatever i ask they answer and it's yeah. incredible and i found a power in them definitely but as i say i think it's because that higher power inspires us when to stop and look at a card or, or they will come and literally flick them out and say that's the one you need to look at so they now know I've got this massive and massive love for them. So when I started doing card readings on YouTube, a lot of my old students were like, "Hey, hang on a minute, you still don't use the cards." Right. But I, I love them now because they help me to um, get a really good script on where I need to go to help people and advice. And so many people, I don't know how it works. I'm doing readings on YouTube and people are going, "Oh my God, you just—it's like a personal reading." Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if it's people who are inspired um, by coming because they know that those cards can make sense to them. I don't know what the magic is surrounding them, but there is some power in these cards without a doubt. They just literally are never wrong in all the years I've used them. So my dream is to have my own cards, my own deck. Oh, I love it. So I'm going to manifest that soon. I'm sure
0: that will <laughs> happen. So um, what, did, what would you like people to know about the book, about, about your life? What's, if you could say one thing to people that are listening right now, what would that one thing be?
2: Wow. Or well, in a sentence.
0: Take as long as you like.
2: I just think, as I've already kind of skirted over, this book is for people, anybody that's experienced some sort of loss, grief, or bereavement. It's a message of knowing you're not alone and a message that you're stronger than you think. And by surrendering yourself to a, a universal higher power, you will make it and you will thrive rather than just survive. Guaranteed. Yeah. I, it's, you know, the proof is in the pudding. This house is paid for. How did that happen? And, and literally everything I needed for my disabilities, you know, because I say now I'm okay. There's you know three Sometimes I can be in bed for three weeks, which is great is changing the aspect of your life, changing how you view your situation. So beforehand, oh, God, I'm in bed for three weeks. I could be scuba diving out. I could be. I could be. I could be. Well, you're not. So what are you going to do with that time? I'm going to write a book. I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to box set, binge it, and watch Game of Thrones. I know that I'm happy sitting here. This is great. So you're choosing the desert or the oasis, and again, self-love and Hmm. rectifying all of these self-belief systems you have about yourself that there's so much in the book there's so many aspects of spiritual and personal development in there which i really hope people get and they will take it on board
0: yeah I, I i i love what you said there and you actually answered a question that i was thinking about the whole time i didn't ask like it uh, yeah, because I was, was going to say, because I I I, 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 finished, I finished the book and I'm like, you I, know, I get on here with you there and you're so bright and bubbly and just feel the energy <laughs> coming across. And I'm like, okay, it should end with the miracle healing. She should be totally healed. And it's going to end with, you know, she finds the cure and she lives happily ever after. Yeah. But I love what you just said. That's not, that's not the path for you. So. But you're embracing where you are. You still you're not like oh, this all the time. You could still be in bed for three weeks and but you're you embrace that. So I that was a perfect absolutely. answer. Thank you.
2: No, absolutely because you know I you there's nothing more than I adored than being on stage and being face to face with people. Obviously covid's put pay to that anyway. Yeah. However, I used to love touring and used to go love going to different cultures and going over to different countries. I did a lot of work in Europe and, and Germany and Spain. I used to adore that time. And again, it's like what do you do? Sit there and think, "Why well, can't I do it anymore?" And I think, no, I can't do it, and that's good. And so what I do is is I adopt the Oasis version or the desert version of how Mm -hmm. you want to live. So I have got the most humbling privilege of sitting and talking to a beautiful soul like you who gives out so much strength and hope after you losing that beautiful girl, right? And you're here doing your thing. Mm -hmm. And the more interviews I'm doing, the more I'm connecting with people that are so amazing in their own space. Mm -hmm. And so for me my whole projection of thought process will be how lucky am I to be here sitting to you goosebumping again? Yeah. How lucky am I that people are prepared to watch me sit in my bed and talk about my esoteric knowledge of the world, of the spirit world, of the angel world? Yeah. How lucky am I that I've got such good friends? And so that is why I do the gratitude. This is what the you know the Prism Living's course about. It's doing the, the the gratitude in the beginning of the day before I even get out of bed, before I even you know have to gauge my body to see what's wrong with me on the, a given day. Mm-hmm. This gratitude always three normally ends up about thirty. Mm-hmm. But I sit and I think, what am I grateful for? And it could be the most simplest things. So to mm-hmm. me, this accident was the biggest blessing of my life because I now sit. You know, I remember in the summertime I would sit and listen to birdsong and it would make me cry because I was so lucky that I could be sitting in my own garden hearing birdsong or you know a butterfly would float by and land on my hands you know and I don't know if you can see I've got my bee my beautiful friend bought this for me because I have a bee totem now bees land on me everywhere I go yeah and um and I think wow I'm special I'm looked after I'm loved I'm not alone how amazing is that And then I think I've now got the ability to show other people they're not alone. How lucky am I? And so that's how I live. And you know, and lots of people did say, oh, we thought you'd be happy ever after and you'll be well. So no, this isn't a cure story. This isn't a they used to so get on my nerves because people used to send me books or read this. And if I could read it, oh I've got the cure for him. No, you haven't. You haven't got the cure. Stop selling all this crap. And be real about it. Be Mm -hmm. real. It is rubbish. Mm -hmm. It is soul-destroying. It steals your life and nobody cares. So you've now got to get up and take hold of it, take control and say, right, what can I do to help myself? So I've got all sorts of elixirs, holistic therapies, essential oils. And for the first time in my life, I love myself and treat myself all day long to what is best for me. Mm. And that is a beautiful gift to have. And that's what I want to share with everybody because... I would so much, you know. I don't care if I lost all this again because I am so happy and fulfilled and whole inside. I mm-hmm. go, okay, okay, it's stuff. I won't be taking it to the spirit world with me. It's yeah. stuff, yeah. you know. And this is what people have got to learn. It's like so many people write to me and say, Oh, you know, I'm with my husband. I don't really love him, but you know, we've got a lovely house. And we've got who cares? You're not taking it with you. Right. You're not taking it with you. And so, you know, I'll be happy in a shack. Yeah. as long as I've got my self-love and the people I love around me I don't care about any material aspects at all I really don't care and so um, people just say yeah but you know you lost with it yeah exactly and, I, and I'm happier than I've ever been in my life and I had literally I did have a lot of money coming at the time mm-hmm. which I wasn't really you know fussed about but I had it and I bought some outrageous things I went to Florida for three weeks over Christmas and New Year your sales are amazing over there yeah. I bought two suitcases of designer stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, yeah, I've been there and done it. And I wasn't happy. Yeah. I wasn't happy. Yeah. I've stood in a concierge suite in sandals, you know, in um, Turks and Caicos mm-hmm. with a butler and a sunken bath looking over the ocean. And I'm like, I've never been so miserable in all my life. Yeah. So material does not feed you. You feed yourself and then watch the universe show you what you deserve. Awesome. That's what it's all about.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Nikki, I, I am so glad that you reached out to me. I I really enjoyed meeting you. I, I love the book. So I want to tell everybody again, it's, it's me and myself. And I uh, it's by Nikki Allen. Her last name is a L a N. Um, you can reach Nikki at Nikki Allen.co.uk. Uh, she has a YouTube channel, which is the bedroom guru, which I'm going to go subscribe to right away.
1: Oh, and sure. uh,
0: She's got a seven week spiritual living course called Prism living. I, I assume we can get that through your website.
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah, you can get it through the website.
0: Yeah, I it's it's been really like I said, I love the book. It's it's been great <laughs> meeting you. I so appreciate much. you you putting all this energy out so you can go, you know, go rest now. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: but, Herbal tea and I've got my feet up.
0: <laughs> yeah. So by the time this by the time this comes out, then the book should be available everywhere.
2: Yes, it will and, be. Uh, yep.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So Yeah, uh, it's on thank- Kindle
2: as well. So Amazon, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, John Hunt Publishing. It's pretty much everywhere.
1: Yeah. So
2: I really hope people enjoy it. Please let me know um, how much you enjoyed it to all these people listening. And Brian, you're just lovely. You're not only handsome and gorgeous, but you're a lovely host. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Allow you. me to share my story. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks
0: for being here. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to make it really easy for you to reach me. So just send me a text to 31996 and simply text the word GROWTH, G-R-O-W-T-H. In fact, you can right now just say, hey, Siri, send a message to 31996. And when Siri asks you what you want to send, just say GROWTH. You can do the same thing with OK Google. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day.
1: Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful. And we'll come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot slash grief. The number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth,